0: Let's spend some time in, in God's Word. So, this morning, um, you know this weekend there's no Formula One on. I always give you the report. Um, for those of you that don't follow it, I don't want you to miss something very special. So, uh, you can come here for, for the results and, and the ongoing Saga Formula One every year. So, because there's no Formula One, I thought I'd t- tell you about another car that I really love. And um, that's designed by a guy named Horatio um, Pagani. Who knows the Pagani cars? He knows the Pagani cars. You know the Pagani cars, yes. Anybody that loves cars will love the Pagani cars. So, Horatio Pagani is an Italian guy that worked for Lamborghini for years in their fiberglass extrusion department, engineer. And in, if I get the date right this time, 1988, he left Lamborghini and, and started his own company called Pagani. And originally, he started designing his own vehicle, but he also supplied parts to Lamborghini and he helped design some of the Lamborghinis still after starting Pagani. I think he's still involved with Lamborghini to this day. But, um... So in 1988, started designing this this car. And at first, the car was going to be called... Uh, I've got to get this right. The Fungio F1. Which was in honor of probably the one of the best races in Formula One ever, Fungio. And... Um, and he designed this car, and the car was first manufactured in 1999, right? So, it started, yes, 1988, and the car was first manufactured in 1999, just one. It wasn't called the Fungio, because Fungio had passed away while the car was being designed, and uh, so it was called the Zonda. So... So let me tell you about the Begani Zonda. Um, the fastest car that was ever built. Fastest on the, um, what's the, Top Gear lap? Hmm? No, ask questions, I'll answer. <laughs> it's probably the most beautiful car that has ever been built, the Zondas. Yeah, stitched leathers, seating, like girls, you'd love this car. It's just Italian design to the, to the nth degree. It, it's got leather stitching. It's quiet on the inside. It's got a Mercedes AMG engine in it. Guys, you would love that. It is really the fastest car. It's also the fastest car, not only on top gear, which I think is a lot of times just nonsense, <laughs> but also around the Nürburgring, it's the fastest car. So, absolutely amazing. But it took from 1988 till 1999 to get this car to, to be manufactured. Um, it went through tests all the time. It went into, into air tunnels and they had airflow flow across it and tested like a Formula One car. And... Um, Different engines until Mercedes-Benz came to the party. Um, It's not just a Mercedes-Benz engine with a car built on top of it. It's a specific engine that's just built for this car. Only 99 of them were ever made. All handmade. Every single part handmade. Even the Mercedes-Benz engines are not made in a factory. It's made by the by hand. So, really, a special car. He went on, he made more cars. So, after that, he made the the Huayra. The Begani Huayra was the next model. Also, about 100 cars made. And then, he also made... He's currently, if you go to the website, you'll see he's now making Utopia. So, an unbelievable car. I mean, it's even, better, even prettier. So... Uh, they cost about 15 million dollars each so that's why they make few because not many people can, can afford a Borgharni 15 million dollars times what is it now 17 or something right 15 million dollars so the picture of a perfect car as it, well, for me absolutely amazing uh Go, go Google it. Um, I couldn't find. I had a little clip about the Pagani's on that. I couldn't find it on my computer last night. So maybe I'll play it for you one day, just so you can see this thing. Go Google it. It's worth worth your time. And go go see the Utopia. If you save all your pennies, maybe one day you can have. Isn't Utopia like the ultimate place to be in? Right. I, I think. The Begani Utopia might be the ultimate car ever. So, but you need $15 million about. So, what is this all about? What's the story about? Well, in Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read a lot of Bible today, because that's one of the things we should be doing as a church, is to read God's word. And, uh, but in Ephesians 4, we read what the perfect church looks like. Like the car is designed and leather-stitched seats and perfect balance of color and speed and flow. So the church also has perfection that God designed into it. So what would that look like? And that's where 412 came, got its name from. It's from Ephesians 412. So seeing that we're going to 412 conference soon, I thought it's a good scripture to, to read. So... As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We have a calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Completely. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So the first bit says that we're one and we're all. And, but like last week we heard, we're not the same. So to each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. <laughs> 11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may, may be built up. So, important thing is, we should be One. And then we got gifts to help us along the road that Jesus gave to us. All of us have certain gifts. So why, why the, what does what the gifts do? Well, they help us, they train us until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, growth grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. I'm going to stop there. Just from Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That is the picture of the perfect church, isn't it? Of us being in perfection. Loving one another, forgiving one another, each one playing its part. Perfection. We have apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, all of them among us. Doing what? Equipping the people for works of service. People serving and being equipped to work. So that the body of Christ might be built up. So that we can build one another up. So all of that. Until we all. But already in this description that I'm giving you of the perfection. There's a little hint here that we're not there. Do you think we are there? Just Jen Otsurring. Just Jen in general. The church. Larger than just Jen. Are we there? Are we perfect? No. We're not. But we can aim at it. Pagani is aiming at building the perfect car. That's why he came up with the next one and the next one. He even had to change the name. Because, as good as the first edition was, he made so many design changes along the way, like version two, three, four, four and then he went, no, we have to change the name. This is a different car now. Now, I'm not saying we should change the church's name often. (laughs) But there's a need in us to constantly change as we grow together, as we measure ourselves to the words that God gave us. And how do we get there? Well, he gave us gifts, designers to work among us. And each one of us have gifts. So that's the other part is you, each one where you sit, is a gift from Jesus to the rest of us. And you should be doing what? Training and equipping those around you, the the people next to you and right and left and behind you and in front of you. You should be training them to do works of service. Because you've got a unique set of, of gifts that God's given you. And it's as we do that. As we submit one to another. As we each play our role. And exercise that gift that God's given you. That all of us function together. As a perfect body together. But there's definitely a sense here that says. To equip the people for works of service. So that. That the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity is something that we aim at until we do. I believe we'll only be in perfect unity one day when we die. We'll become perfectly united with Christ. And in that, we'll be perfectly united with one another. But it's definitely something we can aim at. To become mature, the great thing is there are some good things that happen along the way. We don't get swayed easily by doctrine. So, in fact, I think we'd probably stop reading the internet if we read enough scripture. So, my wife knows this. I've been, I've been reading so much C.S. Lewis, <laughs> who was a really good author. He was, really, he was a professor in literature. And a funny thing happened along the way like 80,000 pages later of writings by C.S. Lewis. Serious, true story. Um, I'm looking at some of the movies that I've been watching and I'm thinking they're pretty shallow. My kids are a little bit irritated with me saying that. (laughs) And we've been looking at some of the series on TV and I'm going, it's got a weak plot. And it doesn't mean much. What's the value of what we're doing Yeah, They don't even speak good English. (laughs) I mean, if at least they were just using good words, we could have learned something from it. We could have spent our time and gained something from it. But now we're just spending time, spending time. We could have been playing snakes and ladders together. It would have been more meaningful maybe. And it happens because I've exposed myself so much to somebody that wrote really well that now it's influenced me. I've changed. And now if I read a comic, it's just isn't good anymore. Not that comics are all bad. If you stay only at comics, it's sad. So in the same way, if we expose ourselves the whole time to what God has written, To his word To the gifts that he's given us Among each other We will change And some of the things that we thought was great We'd go like Wasn't so good (laughs) I'm sure if I Well we've done that We've wanted to show our kids some of the movies That I grew up with Here's a scary thing about movies That were made in the 80's None of us can watch them they are filled with swear words. It was an agenda that Hollywood was pushing. I couldn't remember how much they swore. I thought it was like one tagline in the one movie that would, had a swear word, and it's like, if we get past that one sentence, then my, your goodness. But I changed. After watching that in the 80s, I changed so much that now that I watch it, I go like, just I can't, bear it. I didn't even even heard it when I saw the movie at first. Now I can't bear it. I changed. So it's interesting for me that the word starts with a picture of the perfect church. How we should be together, our gifts working into one another, being mature, not being moved by every little doctrine. Somebody coming and saying, hey, guys, uh, Jesus is coming next week. Okay, let's leave everything and pursue that. It's a wind of doctrine that is just untrue. Is it possible that Jesus might come next week? Can I have a show? Who, who thinks it's possible? Yes. You're slightly wrong, though. He won't come next week. he will come the week after that. Because I'm fairly sure, fairly sure, that he's going to come according to the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. So every year around about October, you can get more excited, because if he comes, no, no, not if, when he comes, <laughs> he's coming then. I hope they've got the date right still, because otherwise we'll be, oh, it was in June. You got the date wrong. It got mixed up. <laughs> But we're fairly sure that that's the feast that hasn't been fulfilled. You know, Jesus fulfilled a whole bunch of feasts when he was, yeah, on earth. And then all the, but the one that we see that he hasn't was that one. And then when he was glorified, this is a squirrel. When he was glorified on the mountain, his disciples said, let's build booths. We must have the Feast of Tabernacles now. And they were so excited. He said, no, not yet. Elijah's not coming. I'm going. But I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And he gave them a whole bunch of things to do. Yeah. So the perfect church. And and we see see it here. So don't be swayed by every little doctrine is actually the the thing. You can be excited. But don't lose what's the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is that we, we sit here, have realized that we have a bad nature that we were born with. That we, we didn't make, we can't be in God's presence, but that God made a way. That's the main thing. The main thing is that we still left on earth to tell others about it. Because if it wasn't for that, I could just go to heaven and be there. So I, I wish Jesus would come next week. At the moment, all my kids are serving God. So we can go. My brother doesn't serve, serve God. Yet. <laughs> but, yeah, so maybe not next week. Maybe my brother can come in first. Yeah. So, how do we become this perfect church? Well, what I didn't read, and we'll go on there now, lots of other scriptures, some instructions. I want to point something out before we read the instructions, though. That although we saw the perfect picture of the church, the instructions are all about us as individuals. So the picture was painted of, this is what perfect us look like. So I think the church can be perfect, even though we will not not be perfectly part of it. Like, this is a God thing, huh? He can put imperfect things together and make something perfect out of it. That's that's a nifty trick. (laughs) So here's the instructions. From verse 17 on, we get instructions. Ephesians 4. Liesl quoted something this morning that she read. She said, it's a sad world that we live in when, what was that? When we we are more offended by correction than we are by sin. So, eh, it's a sad world that we live in. When we hear instruction like this. From God, not my instruction, God's instruction. And then we get more offended by that than actual sin in our own lives. So let's read what our instructions are. It starts with what we used to be like before you realized that Jesus died for you. It says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you That is a tall order Yo I think we'll major on the big things like I shouldn't steal I don't steal Haven't stolen in years (laughs) None of you ever stole something huh? Come on (laughs) I have taken stuff That wasn't mine I took something from my, bro- my brother's watch. I stole my brother's watch once and sold it. <laughs> Sorry, Albert. If he's listening to this, <laughs> he knows. I stole his shoes. <laughs> no, no, he found them. <laughs> I left them at Buffalo's Bay and went on to Bledmere Bay. And then they went looking for me. And then they found his shoes. <laughs> he was very upset. I haven't stole, yeah, I stole his grape ties. I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> when we were kids in the room. <laughs> Shame. I was a terrible brother now that I <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Sorry, Albert. <laughs> if you're listening to the speech. <laughs> I could have been a better brother. <laughs> but yeah. we should steal no longer right and we shouldn't but it, it goes much further than that it says no unwholesome talk should come from our mouths yo nothing not even if I get upset with somebody should I tell my wife about it because it's unwholesome and it's coming out of my mouth and it's just influenced her there's a thought because we do don't we like in our inner circle in our little home circle or maybe a little bit bigger our friends' circle we think we can say more than to other people because they know me they know my character they know I mean well no unwholesome talk not about the government not about ESCOM (laughs) there you go no unwholesome talk and you thought it was going to be easy, yeah. No, these instructions are, are quite there. In your anger, do not sin. And then it goes on to say, don't go to sleep while you're still angry. Yo. Some of us will have sleepless nights. Often. Especially when the power goes off at 10. Uh-huh. Unwholesome talk and anger. <laughs> and now I can't sleep anymore because the Bible said i must stay awake. <laughs> Hopefully, your Kindle is charged up. you can read bible or c s Lewis <laughs> but if you read this list and go read this list i 'm not going to go through everything because we i 'm telling you as if you read this and you and you think about yes no we we might not be verse seventeen through to uh, wherever it ends thirty two anymore no it's uh, to verse 19. 17 to 19. Maybe we're not 17 to 19 anymore. Or maybe we're not that far away from 17 to 19. Huh? It says, so I tell you, so we we should start a new movement. Ephesians 4 verse 17 to 19. Huh? So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That you n- must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. How far are we from that separation of God? How close are we to God in our life? Or how ignorant are we still of reading the rest of those instructions and thinking it's not us? And what I read here is, I need to change. Yes, I don't steal my brother's appetizer anymore. Grape-tizer. But I still need to change. If I read this part of unwholesome talk, then I think, oh, flip. And then I'm going to have to get better at it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How many times do I say things that offends God's spirit? How many times do I think things that offends God's spirit? Yo. Get rid of this. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. Malice is anything bad you're thinking. It's like, get rid of that. Chop it off. Throw it away. So I'm telling you that there's parts of this that are so part of who I am that I almost physically have to remove body parts to get rid of it. That is how much this is still part of me. I need to change. And I'm going to say, we all need to change. So, Ephesians 5, let's look at that. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, that's how we should be. Among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality Of any kind of impurity Or of greed Because these are improper for God's holy people Nor should there be obscenity Foolish talk or coarse joking Which are out of place but rather thanksgiving For of this you can be sure of this we can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now... You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Wow. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. And then talk about it. It's even shameful to, to mention it. But everything exposed. Why would we expose things to the light? Yeah. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. You're... It's a warning, guys, for us. That the change needs to to be permanent. Uh, Y'all go next to 16? It's a part that I want to get to. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And now, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why do we sing on Sundays? Why do we get together and start up a band and make music? Here's the instruction. So if you ever wondered why churches all over the world get together, it's a natural thing to get together and want to praise God in song. Not only is it natural, it's actually instructed. It doesn't say kneel together and pray. It doesn't say there's, there are things where we can see that that's asked. But this is a clear instruction. Hey guys, get together and make music and worship God together. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We are not so hot on the spiritual songs, you know, it's swear. Huh? Worship guys, can we, can we practice that? I know on, on Thursday evenings when they practice, there's more of it. Why is it that when we as a congregation get together, there's less of the Holy Spirit? And it's a real question. I'm asking that question of myself. It's like, why do we not see more of the Holy Spirit among us? We need more of the Holy Spirit. We should, we should ask God for more show of the Holy Spirit among us. Paul writes that. He says, I'm going to come and test the church. I'm going to come and see if you just talk or whether God is actually moving among you. Is God moving among us? I, wanna, I, I want to see more of God, just to be real and honest. I would like to see more of God in my life. But instruction to sing to the Lord and worship him. So on that note, here's here's an announcement for next week. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to skip the preach. So this is the only preach you're going to get until like 14 days from now. Not if you're youth, I'll preach it to you on Friday. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we can. But um, next week we'll get together and we'll bring some food. And we'll put out four tables filled with food in the back. And then we'll worship a little bit because it's instructed. And then we'll eat together and spend some time. Yeah? It's not less important than a Sunday where everything falls according to the normal plan. It's more important. It's more important to fellowship with one another. It's more important to share together. And it's more important to actually dedicate a little bit of a more important place to worshiping God together. So come ready next week. Don't miss it. But what is God saying God is saying that, A, there's a perfect church built out of us that are imperfect. That we should still change. That I should still change. And here's the question that I want to ask you is, do you, when you go to us, the guys that are going to 412 Conference, right, lucky enough to go, are you, are you considering that you want to come d- back different? How different? So different that people might not recognize you. That would be great. I'd love to come back so different that you go like, what happened to you? Oh, God happened. We can call it anything, but I want to go meet with God. Not with some guy's... Talking, not with 3,600 people jumping up and down and worshiping God. That's gonna be great. But if it leaves me unchanged, I've wasted my time and my money. I should have stayed here. Do we consider that when we go, God wants us to change? When we read our Bible in the morning, do we consider changing? Or do we just read it to tick the box, I did it God. I read Bible, don't really know why. We read scripture daily so that it can change us. It means that we become different people. Do you consider that? That when you read this the Bible, when you open the Bible up, that it's got the power to transform you into the likeness of God himself if you let it but if you don't consider change if you go, you know what, this part of my life don't touch that God I'm going to just I like talking about people or focusing lots on that but I actually love money so don't touch my money my children are too important Like, don't talk to me about my kids. Right? If somebody can talk to you about your money and your children, and you did just there, then you definitely are listening to that person. You're valuing that perspective a lot. We should value God's perspective a lot. Weigh up what men say. Weigh up what I say to God's word. But what God says, consider changing. So if we read things like this, when you read the word, when you spend time on your knees praying to the spirit, if God's Holy Spirit speaks to you in that moment, and will you change? Do you consider that it's necessary to change? Because it is. Being renewed into something that God wants us to be. So, why? So, Ephesians 5, verse 25. I'm skipping a couple of verses. 25 to 27. It says, husbands, love your wives. So, it goes on to describe a household after that. It goes into different sections. Read Ephesians 4 and 5 again. But it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. That is why. By the washing of God's word. Jesus wants to present us as his bride. Who? Us together as his bride, holy and blameless, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. That is the perfection that we're after. That is perfect balance in, in poetry and in everything. So, but we'll only get there if we consider to change. So... Why are we in why is God God adds us to a church, right? So God has added you, if you yeah, to Joshua generation. And God's given us a vision for a church, right? So get ready for something different. But it's only gonna be there if we are different. And that's really what I wanna say is like that's the aim. To be an uncompromising group of people. Take God's word, His Spirit, and do it. Each single one of us. No, you're not going to be perfect when you walk out here, but we can walk into more and more and more perfection along the road together. If we take God at His word, if we live church, like it's said in the Bible. It's, it's doable. And each one of us can be as much part of that as we choose to be. And that's really your choice. It's like, how much are you going to be part of God's kingdom? If he's added you here into this part of his church, then be part. That's the challenge. But radical and uncompromisingly so. There's not a lot of it going around in the world. And uh, But that's my dream. That we'll be that. Can you share that dream with me? Let's pray. You want to pray?
1: Yeah, sure, Lord. Father, I just want to firstly say thank you, God, that you birthed this plan first, because it's your plan. And that. I just realized again this morning Lord that every morning when we read the word and we pray it's not to ask you to be with us for that day but it's to ask you what's your plan for the day and then align my heart and my plans and my will to your plan and your will and your heart and then live it for that day so God I pray that this morning it almost feels like this is a seed that needs to go very very deep into our hearts and our souls Lord almost as if a A quick altar call now could be inappropriate, Father. So I pray in the next day and weeks that you would take this word, that you would take it deep into the deepest crevices and, 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 and nooks and crannies of our soul, God. That you would take it deep into our spirit, Father God. That by your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray for every person here that you would work your plan, your purpose, your calling into our lives, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that every time we pray, every time we look at you, it would not be a thing of, God, would you help me with this? But it would be a thing of, God, what is your will? And that I would align myself with that. I pray for a people, God, that is uncompromisingly, unashamedly, in love and zealous for the King of Kings. Thank you for the privilege of knowing the King of Kings, Lord. That you are the savior of our souls and our spirit, God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Just quickly, like, if you're here and you say, I've, I've heard you, but I haven't seen this light. I haven't met Jesus. Come and talk to me. I'd love to introduce you. It's not just a, hey, I put up my hand. And now I'm all of a sudden I'm saved. Yes, it happens like that. And you start on a journey with God from that point onwards. And the second thing is, if you hear and you go, yeah, there's parts of my life that I don't know how to change. There's portions of the scripture that I'm, I'm too scared to read because I can never measure up. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to any of the deacons, any of the community leaders. And we'll help you walk it out. I'm not perfect, but I know the one that is perfect. And there's always a way to walk these things out. There's nothing that's impossible with God. God can fix every single thing. I've gone, I've gone to court with people who used to be bank robbers. robbers and used to steal cars at gunpoint. And seen how a judge turns from very angry to going, I'm going to give you community service. That doesn't sound fair. He's robbed banks and stolen cars. How can he get community service? He should go to jail. Isn't that fair? Well, not if God's involved always. I've seen that. I've seen people own up for things and make straight their ways. And walk it out with God. I've seen marriages being restored from people that cheated on one another. It seems impossible. How could that be? Doesn't the word say that if my spouse cheats on me I can leave her? There was a little scripture in there that said. What would be pleasing to God? Find that. What would be pleasing to God if my spouse had to cheat on me? What would we be pleasing to God from my side? Forgiveness? Walking it out again? Nothing. Nothing in our lives is impossible with God. Nothing in our lives. He can fix everything if we let him. So if you're here and you're sitting here and you're going, listen, there's something in my life that I need help with. Come and talk to us. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to one of the deacons. We would love to walk it out with you. Good.